this is the BAM Creative Show with Jess, Josh and Rich. Hello everybody, welcome to the 27th episode of the BAM Creative Show. This is a digital marketing podcast where we don't discuss true crimes as we established on the last episode. Uh, yes. So guys, by the way, mm-hmm. in the week of the last podcast episode, I sold my house. Yay! That is very good. I don't know if it was attributable to digital marketing. I'd like to get those stats because we actually did put a bit more money mm-hmm. into digital marketing this time. So we advertised on Facebook, we advertised on using Google AdWords mm-hmm. and remarketing. And we got way more engagement on the digital marketing package than we ever did on realestate.com.au. Mm-hmm. So the inquiries were massive. So I just wanted to kind of, it kind of like is a nice segue. That's awesome. Well done. So what are you going to do with all the monies? Oh, you mean... You're going to invest it in Snapchat? <laughs> no, we have no money. We're living with my parents. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything? Any news? What happened to you guys? Any news? The last episode? Before we delve into the other... Yes, I've made it through another week. We are now into week 20 of my wife's pregnancy. So... Oh, congratulations. Welcome. Two arms, two legs. I'm still good. All in one piece. Your job was easy. Yeah, well just telling you <laughs> navigating that minefield over the the 40 week period can be a harrowing experience so although i survived i can't say as much for our bank account which has seen several transactions at the honey cake shop which i highly recommend <laughs> i recommend so if you're ever in hillary's or even in the city definitely pick up a honey cake it's delicious for you i'd probably go uh, with the cacao but if you get the 20 dollars one it's a decent size just for you if you're an islander now if you're like my compatriots here, you could probably share the 20 with maybe three or four other people. What's a honey cake? Honey cake. It's it's the food of the gods. It's the nectar of youthfulness. Okay. It's very sweet. Is and if you heat it up. Sorry? Is that your secret, Josh? Oh, <laughs> s- well, oh since the last week? I think so. Your thing is honey cake. Oh, look, it's just, it's, it's amazing. I hear about yeah, it. Yeah, like you hear it, you, you, can, you can heat it up for about five seconds as well. Do you put and ice cream with it? And then it's layered. So it just like kind of has a gangster lean. So depending on which side of the world you are, it'll just lean to either the left or the right side. But yeah, it's amazing. So Maybe. definitely recommend the Honeycake Shop. You're welcome, the Honeycake Shop. Yeah, I'd like to shout out to Perth Zoo, uh, putting on a great teddy bear picnic on Sunday. So went there. That was good. good Do you fun. make teddy bears there? No, if you bring it, um, if your kids bring in a teddy bear, then they get in for two bucks. So that was That's, pretty awesome. What if they have multiple teddy bears? Can they credit for like a friend? Like if they have four teddy bears, no? Well, we, we, we distributed teddy bears and they weren't necessarily the favorite bears. They were the smallest bears because of practicality. And they didn't mm. even check. They didn't, I thought they were going to scan the bears or like ask to see the bears. But <laughs> Verify. No, it was all good. Ask for so, the bears ID. Was, <laughs> what if good. I was a cat? Because some soft toy cats look teddy like cat. bears. And vice versa. You're right. You're right. You know what they should have done? They should have had a teddy bear grooming station there. So there's one in Joondalup. Shout out to Lakeside Joondalup. Send me shout out. (laughs) (laughs) But at Lakeside Joondalup, they have an actual retail store where you can take your teddy bear in and then they'll, um, they'll fluff the fur. They'll put, um, they'll, they'll add like little scents in different parts of the body as well as voice box as well. So you can choose what the recording is on the box. So that when you take to your kid, they're like, Mm -hmm. great, it's Ellie the elephant. And then you push a button and Ellie says, I love you. That's, That's really, cool. really, really cool. That's cool. We've got a, uh, all right, so we've got one of those little um, squeeze the leg to make the sleepy music go. Um, and we we put that out on for my son, who's just turned two. 
and it says goodnight Caden, but his name's not Caden. It was a hand-me-down, so there is a USB connector. I need to figure out how that all works, but it's just a bit beyond me. Um, but on that note, if you build a bear, okay, mm. my advice is you can build a bear, you can build a Chewbacca. That would have been the that would have been the most appropriate one um, to that. take because there were lots mm. of Star Wars characters walking around. And it was really cool, but it was also very big and very heavy and very hot, mm. so it stayed in the car. But if you build a if you build a bear and you get like the strawberry scent inside the Chewbacca, your daughter will not use it. She will hate it because it just smells. Like, and it's been sewn up. There's no way of getting that out of there. So, so she doesn't careful. like strawberry smells or Chewbacca. She loves the Chewbacca. She doesn't want it anywhere near her because it's sickly sweet. Oh yeah, you can change that smell. Did you guys know that smell. apparently it's really hard to extract smell and flavour from strawberries, and most of the time it's actually not strawberry flavoured. Yeah, apparently, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's a completely. Well, I wouldn't be. Like, so you're saying that people had the assumption they could extract strawberry smells from well, strawberries? Well, I only know that because when a few years ago, when Bam was sponsoring Starlight event, we were doing custom candies, and one of the flavors was strawberry, and we found out that um, apparently it's really difficult to get. It's actually not strawberry. It was just like sugar and red flavor, because apparently it's kind of hard to get strawberry flavor out of strawberry. Well, they don't smell like much, I guess, until you've kind of exposed yeah. the flesh. Yeah, it's the freshness oh. of it, maybe when you originally smelled the punnet, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you hold the two punnets, <laughs> and then you just put your nose in between. Yeah. And you can smell okay. between. Okay. Right? Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah. 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 But you can take, you can take your you take Chewbacca the to... To the, um, to the pet surgeon. Yeah, pet surgeon. Oh. And they'll extract the strawberry. Chewbacca. Yeah, and they'll take the strawberry scent down and you can put like vanilla or whatever right. you want. Yeah. But um, also I was thinking as well, that's a really good point that you made about how it says, I love you, Caden, or something like that. Caden. Yeah. My, there was a pillow story as well. I think it was part of the E-Myth mm-hmm. by, I think, uh, somebody Gerber, whoever read the book. But he talked about how they had that pillow yeah. that was just the recording of the dad or the mum saying goodnight or something like oh, that so they could hear. Because they were never there at night. Okay. So they could play it and then they could listen. That's also pretty cool, I guess. In a oh, so you're so going to end that with like a something tragic story, like yeah. I was probably going to take it there, but I stopped. Uh, see, I actually save all my parents' voicemails and all my grandparents' voicemails. That's so smart. I save them all, and I save all the cards and things like that because one day when they won't be here, I'll be able to hear their voices still. Yeah, and there'll be an app where you can upload all of those as sign sound bites, and you can ever yeah. talk to them like they're Jarvis. Well, you know someone did that, right? I mean, I don't want to go where you thought it was going to go, but I'm going to go there. Let's go there. There was that. Um, <laughs> it's like her we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, the movie. Someone's mm. best friend died, and they created artificial intelligence to have them as kind of as a robot who would answer the way they used to in the voice that they used to. Oh uh, yeah, of, yeah. It's Aww. quite freaky. Yeah, that's well, that was one of the episodes on Black Mirror as well. Oh right? really? It was pretty out there. Yeah. Like her husband died somehow, and then she just gave access to his email addresses and his video logs and his social media accounts, and then the AI was able to interpret and start talking like him, trying to use the I guess the, his mannerisms, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But they took it to the next level where they had some kind of like doll that came to the house, uh. and then and the, and then the doll was like a virtual like it changed to look <laughs> like him, and then yeah, it was oh, a whole wow. thing. I would definitely recommend Netflix. Shout out to Netflix. Let's segue into um, news stories because there is yep. one about sure. Netflix. The Bam Creative Show bringing you all the latest news. Netflix had um, an interesting update as well. So their stock price has increased 75, 75% in the last year, which is pretty big. I mean, most 
most brands, yeah. businesses are, are looking to increase, you know, anywhere between the fives to maybe 12%. And mm. that's a pretty good day in the office. But <clears throat> if we look at it from the time that they initially listed, so that would be March 2013, they initially came out with the price of $26.40. And now they're at 300 and I think it's $32 a share. So what that means for us is if we were really smart and we had taken equity out of Richard's house in 2013 mm -hmm. and put $10,000 in, then today <laughs> it would be worth $121,000. But we're not smart. But we're not that, no, mm -mm, we're not mm -mm, that smart. Mm -mm, yeah. No. So, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. The other thing uh, with Netflix as well is um, just how, because I think Netflix has copped a lot of flack for bringing up out what people would many people would say were subpar sci-fi movies right um some of them that have never made it to the cinema and so they've kind of gotten a bad rap for that but then they've also had really successful brands and um sorry brands or like tv brands um so projects like daredevil or stranger things mm -hmm. and um orange is the new black i think that was yeah. the other one yeah. but i think what's really interesting with them is is how how much emphasis they play place on analytics so mm -hmm. understanding how the user is engaging with the UI uh, mm -hmm. from the time that they spend looking at a particular trailer to the order in which they browse. So do they browse, you know, horizontally initially or do they go vertically and then they pause? Are they looking to see the blurbs that come up? Um, but then in combination with how, with the second set of data that Netflix is, is collecting, which is what colors and what fonts or, or what arrangement of the the video clip content is going to most be most effective for a, a specific individual right. based on how they view previous trailers so if they view x amount of trailers and they've watched the entire trailer um and they've been say more susceptible to a particular color of the font then what does that mean for all the other trailers that we promote and how mm -hmm. is that relative to the topics so netflix is going really deep in there yeah. um but there was one article that i shared on linkedin as well that that just made the point as well that as much as analytics is really important from Netflix perspective, um, because you can't really invest a hundred million dollars into a brand unless you have analytics. Sure. It's also really important to remember the the value and role of creativity mm -hmm. and just the humanity of the content that we create. Yeah. So I think it's a really good point for everyone. I'm always about look. We need to be mindful of how mm -hmm. we're collecting data. Are we collecting data? So I think it's a good thing for us to note as well, just to try and maintain the balance so we're not 100% analytical. Sure. That's fascinating that, I mean, those are basically, I guess, uh, micro interactions, which we try to, uh, I know Google's speaking to them um, from a website design point of view as well, how mm -hmm. you can sort of customize things depending on what you know about a customer, but they know a lot more about a customer based on yeah. that. So it's fascinating that they're getting really deep into that. Um, they um, So Netflix says, uh, been in the news for I believe they're spending six billion dollars this year on on new content, which um, is going to keep on going up too. So to put that in perspective, uh, Apple have like a lot of money and they're trying to build up their own competing service, and they're uh, they're putting in one billion dollars mm. for all their content for the year apparently. So uh, it's, it's quite a big difference there. And uh, I think I read a report as well about that one where Apple just had the money lying around. They've got the money. So, like, that money was literally tied up oh. in all the other countries yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been generating revenue from, but they've never been able to pull that money back into, mm. I think, the US entity? Yeah, I believe that they... That the, oh, well, I, no, I believe the now way. they've done some deal with Trump to not get taxed much, so they've yeah. got a lot of money back. But the... Um, yeah, but on, on that note, the um, the Netflix story as well, they, they're producing, I think, 80 new um, shows... Um, 
think uh, or movies as well. I'm not sure, but they they're also creating um, maybe eighteen um, movies that are actually not set in the US. They're they're, they're for uh, completely different languages mm. outside the world. So they're actually you know operating at such a huge scale, and I think that's that's part of what makes them so successful as well is that they they can create niche content um, yeah. all around the world. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good, especially with the acquisition of more content IP, mm. like Mark Miller's Millerverse. You know, you got Kick Ass and a few other ones that came out of that. So yeah, if if they're smart and they they really have to move because what Disney is going to come out with their own platform at the yeah. beginning of next year, maybe. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, I also just read a news article this morning. It was some quickly read it quickly consumed it about how millennials are turning off their TVs. Right. At, very very quickly at a super fast rate I'm going to find this article TVs? I think it's in the Sydney Morning Herald yeah they're no longer watching TV they're you, watching content you're talking on their network television or yeah I think I'm specifically talking about that but also their actual TVs now they're actually consuming content on their phone which is weird because sometimes I'll sit in front of the TV and really? I'm like watching a streaming service on my mobile so mm. am I a millennial? I don't know hmm. Am I a millennial? Yeah, I think eighties into nineties is millennial. Okay, cool. Just just confirming. Um, oh gosh, I got the worst doms. Anyway, um, where do we want to go to next? Should we talk about there's so many things here? Um, let's hit yours. Mine, which is this is my at one a.m. this morning when we we're all sleeping. Google sent out a bunch of tweets basically saying that yes, the algorithm did change. I think mm. it was sometime last week, and there's nothing that we can do to fix our sites if we if they dropped in rankings. So we just have to sit there and watch our sites tank if they have. And it <laughs> also indicates that there's possibly nothing wrong with your website. Mm -hmm. It could just be the change in the algorithm and that, you know, it probably will change again. I think this is, I can't remember the last time they had one, but I don't think it was that long ago, actually. I think it was only a couple months ago that it changed again. So if your site did reduce in rankings, hang in there. You may not be the only one, but there's also nothing you can do about it. I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if I... I mean, I feel like surely you could make some changes to your content. At least some little tweaks or something like that. Mm. Maybe build up a few more backlinks. Maybe have a look at your backlink profile and see if there's any kind of maybe lower um, authority back backlinks that you could remove if possible. Like, I don't know. Surely there is something that can be done. Yeah, so I agree with the point. Oh, you know, like Google sees what Google is doing, which is fine. Mm. But in terms of, say, you losing rankings... And yeah. say a competitor ranking, like taking a higher spot for you, mm -hmm. uh, you know that's that's fine. Whatever the new ranking order is or the picking order is, mm -hmm. like there's still opportunities for you to change. Yeah. Sometimes that might mean that you can't change your own site, but then there's no reasons why you can't do search engine optimization on a neutral site mm -hmm. that may have a bit of chance of ranking because it's a .org or .org .gov mm -hmm. or a .gov or a .edu. So. Um, yeah, it's it's good to, for them to be able to say you know plainly, like, calm down. There's nothing wrong. Like you've not done anything immediately to yeah. do stuff. They're essentially saying that somewhere the line along the line somebody else did something a lot better than you, and we didn't rank them higher, mm. um, or you did something a while back that is probably not going to help you to cement your position in Google. So. Mm -hmm. All right. I just love how they're like, yeah, change, and there's nothing you can do. It's Maybe just, they're just sick of like going up against all the this search engine optimization people that just want want everyone to stop even trying oh for the longest time they want today <laughs> yeah it's just like, stop trying don't even get out of how are we supposed to introduce more p 
paid spots if organic keeps on working so exactly. well for so many people. Yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah, um, let's jump on this Twitter piece of Twitter news that Josh, I think you added in. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So it's similar to what we've seen with Google. So Google originally, um, they had to deal with a lot of um, link farms and sites that were networked that were dominating certain keywords and niches and what's happened with Twitter. And so the same thing has started happening in a hodgepodge kind of way with Facebook where you could create your own Facebook page slash brand and have enough viral content published on that and then connect that to another page and brand slash brand and thus if you get a series of those you can all um, I guess circulate that content to get even more reach mm -hmm. but on Twitter it's been the same thing in terms of the viral post uh, viral Twitter um, sorry tweets and what Twitter has been doing lately has been clamping down on a lot of duplicate posts or duplicate mm -hmm. tweets yep. that have come out um, trying to reduce them Namely for a lot of the the bot or the semi-automated networks that are out there, which help to promote certain topics or um, uh, you know certain news uh, information, and for them or from their perspective, they said that anyone that is or any accounts that are seen to be programmatically posting content on a regular basis, some of it duplicate, um, but even some that's slightly like there's there's a slight change to things, so there might be maybe a ten percent change to the original content. They're going to come down hard. They'll be banning, banning accounts, and it's all because of the likes of TweetDeck, which allows you to automate all that. You know, really aggregate the content, then time it, and just have it posted automatically. I remember, I remember using TweetDeck. I think it was like six years ago, but I never did it to take viral content and then push it out. It was, it was more about trying to build up a list by getting my own content and then just being able to schedule it. So that's mm. all I ever looked at, and then just seeing the list grow over time. So. It's interesting to see how Twitter's going to do it. It'll be interesting to see whether people start gaming other platforms like LinkedIn or I don't I don't see at the moment how that could happen, but LinkedIn and your Snapchats and everything like that. Okay. Um, but one of the things that should be that everyone should be aware of is that it it may not affect it may not affect your um, your own personal your your company Twitter account if you are reposting your own blog posts that you've sent out. I think it may be more relevant for for accounts that get more attention, but it's still it's still worth being mindful of anyway. Mm -hmm. Cool. And did we go on and the YouTube thing that you were talking about before, which is super yeah. interesting. Yeah, just a few little headlines that caught my eye. Um, first off, YouTube uh, they've got something in beta where uh, they can use artificial intelligence to sort of digitally remove whatever background uh, might be behind you and mm -hmm. uh, allow you to add your own insert your own footage of whatever you want. Um, so that's quite powerful. That could be really interesting for um, videographers, um, maybe video podcasters with a moderate budget uh, and a blank wall behind them to do something interesting. So we we'll see yeah, where that goes. So we got this weird worm cocoon thing though. I don't know. Caterpillar cocoon? Cocoon. It's just a cocoon. Yeah. We remove maybe, the cocoon. Maybe it should hatch. Maybe it should just stay yeah. there and then it should just hatch. I yeah. think we should just remove it first of all. Alright. Um, <laughs> um, and who... There was another There's piece... Snapchat there that I just... Um, yeah, apparently um, Snapchat will start introducing uh, the option um, for content creators who uh, generate their own lenses uh, to optionally promote them to the lens carousel, uh, Snapchat carousel. Mm. So since Lens Studio debuted uh, late last year, um, users have already created more than 30,000 lenses which have been viewed more than 1 billion times uh, in just a few short months. So this is going to accelerate the incentive to create your own lenses and obviously accelerate the adoption as well. So there's mm. some interesting, uh, I guess, 
uh, potential there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now there's another piece about YouTube, but I kind of, and it was in regards to the shootings in Florida, but I kind of want to leave that a little bit after the main segment, Sure. which you renamed to a segment that I actually can't repeat here because it kind of ties into Twitter as well. So we'll oh, it does? A little bit. We'll, oh, cool. we'll, we'll come back to that actually. Sounds good. Um, but what I wanted to talk about today was um, a work-life balance kind of aspect of the show because we have actually touched on work-life balance before and I think that was way back in maybe episode eight, way back in yep. the September's 2017s in the old days Um, (laughs) but it's something that I keep hearing this work-life balance term and apparently I think Australia was rated as one of the worst countries for work-life balance but it's such a abstract term that it's really defined by different people depending on you know everyone's experience I wanted to talk about it and I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, stress and how to de-stress mainly because we do hear a lot about work-life balance, but we don't really hear about the sort of nitty-gritty um, and, you know, certain triggers for people when they're stressed because I think a lot of the time people don't realise that they're stressed until it begins to impact um, their relationships with other people, their work and their health and things like that. And so I felt as though if we could be a little bit honest and a bit raw about how we individually experience like what our individual experiences are with work-life balance and stress and how each de-stress then maybe we can kind of help someone who's listening out there who might be going through something a bit of a stressful time and if they can help to to not be stressed so this is actually inspired by um a recent episode of the point um and i think it was um but he interviewed ariana huffington who i love um, and Gary Vaynerchuk, who he's okay, um, and they, they delved into that topic, but I'll chuck that video in the notes. Um, and then Josh added um, also um, a little article, which I think you'll um, talk about and cover. Oh, yeah. That particular article was awesome because when I actually started reading it, they actually it, it links up so well, um, and they kind of actually talked about mm. sort of aspects more specifically with work-related stress. But I kind of want to go back and and ask the question of. Um, what work-life balance means to each of us. So if I start Mm. with you, what does work-life balance mean to you? Um, I mean, I see that, uh, look, I'm someone who works hard uh, at work and that has very occasionally uh, um, (laughs) interfered with uh, family life Mm -hmm. because if you're focused too hard on getting a job done, you know, you're doing overtime, you're coming home late, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's going to negatively affect people and they're right in saying, well, okay, you're thinking about that and you're saying this thing is important. What you're actually also saying is, well, we're not as important um, or you're not willing to devote as much time or there's a time limit or that sort of thing. And, um, and that, has been a, that has been a problem, um, certainly. And it is, uh, I, I guess, I've had to learn that um, it's within my power to um, say enough's enough, mm-hmm. all right, and you know, I had to draw a line there where I just have to um, reprioritize so that um, I'm remembering what is truly important in life. And for me, you know, career is definitely up there, but family are up there as well. Mm-hmm. And you just need to literally figure out um, how you can, I guess, find the right balance. So mm-hmm. for me, that's it. Yeah. Um, and and that, that makes, I mean, that's obvious, right? Um, I feel very lucky to work in a place where that is supported. Mm-hmm. I know 
my wife, for example, um, has worked in places where that has not been the case and that uh, I've also worked in other uh, places where that has not been the case to that degree. Um, I don't have great recommendations for someone who is in that situation except maybe to consider finding another job. But <laughs> life is better when you are working at a place that values uh, who you are as a person, not just in, in what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's uh, if you're not getting that respect, honestly, um, maybe it is time to look uh, further afield. Mm -hmm. Josh, what is work-life balance? Amen. What is work-life balance to you? Mm. It's hard not to. It's not. It's hard not to repeat what was said in the yeah. first one. I imagine what I'm going to say now is pretty much going to be that. Well, mine's going to be completely different. So. so Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so so firstly, I think. I think the reason why we all struggle, well, why people may struggle with work-life balance is because to begin with, it's a bit of a fallacy. There is no balance, there is no set. This is the, you know, the scale of hazarded. This is the amount that you need to dedicate to work versus home life, it's always fluid. I use the analogy of the, the orchestra last time in yes. the different sections, yeah. but um, uh, I I do I think if if looking at if somebody is at the point where they're like where they review things and they think, oh, the way I can tell is the whether you're you're possibly needing to review how you're doing things is when you're not actively looking forward to going to work. Mm -hmm. So the moment mm -hmm. you start like staying up late at night to do other stuff, so you're not getting the rest you need, or you're going to work late, or you're leaving work early, or you're taking long lunch breaks. Um, yeah, about then you probably need to review things, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's it's a matter of saying, okay, cool. The reason, like, firstly, what is the reason? Once you identify that, figure out is there any way where where I can address this so that it doesn't impact my ability to to work in this organization? And then, like you said, if it does and there's just no way forward, then you need to look outside. But I do I do feel like a lot of those questions that come up in the mind they're always based on a dissonance within oneself. So there's a conflict where you envision you can provide for either yourself because you get joy from working on a career like Rich mentioned or you're able to provide for your family doing something that you love mm. um, or that you're very good at and you like strongly um, then then that's great but where you can't do it so where there, there are just issues that you can't get around then that's where the distance comes from I, I'd also say as well so and this is probably more applicable this is more applicable for those that aren't that don't have families so much mm -hmm. um so you may not you may not you may have a partner or you may not have a partner or you might be single so it won't necessarily apply but i've always found that when it comes to to any other facet in your life like like rich said if there's like your family is the main thing and there's conflict in the family conflict mm -hmm. in the home whether it's with your partner or your children or your parents or your aunties your grandparents or your in-laws then all of that stuff can just have a compounding effect on everything else mm -hmm. and it can place almost I envision it, it places what is it that okay cool so an ox right in the field they'll carry a yoke right mm -hmm. and the yoke's what you use to be able to plow the fields that kind of stuff but if you're carrying this massive yoke on your shoulders like because you've got something going on at the home or anything like that that'll just it doesn't matter how great your job is mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like whether you get paid to come and sit at a desk and sleep you're going to have the most unrest like this uncomfortable sleep ever because of the things that are going wrong in the home so yeah i think those are probably the only two things that i 
I'd suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I want to, I might speak slowly than I normally do because <laughs> I need to be able to convey this without sounding ridiculous. Um, but I feel that the work-life balance term, <clears throat> it actually really pisses me off because <laughs> it's a term that I feel has been created by people who, you know, this kind of 80s, 90s feel good of like, work is just work, you work to get money, you don't really work for any other reason and your home life is more important um, and it's kind of held above, I think I can say, speak for myself and say personally I feel like it's held above my head, you know everyone's said to me in the past work-life balance, work-life balance and I feel like it's a kind of um, something to strive to, like if I, I'm failing if I don't have if I don't balance my work with my life and therefore that kind of says to me that everything's good at work and then I go home and I finish my work and I come home and I'm a wife and I can hang out with my husband and I'm a daughter and I'm a sister and I can you know, keep time for my family and if I'm not doing those then I'm failing at this beautiful idea of a balance um, and yeah it's just something that I feel that if you're a, a sort of high stress person like I am it's like you feel like you've kind of got to hold everything together that therefore, you know, it, you, you feel bad if you don't have this work-life balance. And the reality is that there is absolutely no balance. And like you were saying, the orchestra was so perfectly described because there are times where work is going to take up more of your life. So when you do come home, unfortunately, like your partner's going to have to, you know, help take up the slack. Like my husband's awesome. Like if I would just say to him, you know, works really hard right now. He just knows. He's like, he does mm. dinner, he does cleaning. He'll, you know, might have to cancel the gym for me if I can't make it. Um, he's really forgiving and understanding. But then there's also times when he's not. And then I have to realize like, okay, I do have to push work aside, you know, for my life because it is really important. And that's where it can be really stressful. So I don't believe there's a work-life balance. There's no such thing. Um, I really hate that term. I don't ever want everyone, anyone to feel like there's this perfect balance of everything that works in equilibrium. It's just not the case. But don't ever feel bad that work does take, you know, um, priority over your life. But you also need to understand when the time is to stop um, and take time for yourself because that is when you can run into some problems and you become stressed out and it does affect work and it does affect your home life. So, um, yeah, I... I don't ever want, ever want anyone ever to say to me, oh, work-life balance again, because it's so, to me, it's so um, uneducated view as to what a work-life balance actually is, so, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree <laughs> with what you said. I mean, the way I was kind of um, describing it made it sound like there was a perfect ratio, and you're, you're 100% right. Mm. Um, I mean, all I know is that it's, it's very, very easy to get a uh, perfectly... Um, can we sort of beep sound perfectly? Absolutely no good ratio. <laughs> if you go too far to one side and you stay there, because you're going to build yeah. up resentment on the other side, mm -hmm. and you're going to set a precedence that always gets recalled, mm -hmm. right? So if you do, um, on occasion, need to um, appeal to your, um, you know, your wife's, your, your husband's um, understanding, mm -hmm. then it, you know you you owe it to them to overcompensate um you know do do, do nice things for them make, make mm -hmm. an effort to be home on time you mm -hmm. know sometimes mm -hmm. so that they don't feel like they're being taken advantage of 
And yeah, I totally agree with that. And the other thing as well is like work-life balance hangs over my head is because I'm a very ambitious person and I, I really love work. And so it's like people say it to me to make me feel bad. Like work is not your life, but it's like, well, in a way it's kind of my hobby. Like I like what I do. And so it's actually really enjoyable. Um, and so when people say, oh, work-life balance is as though they're making me feel bad for somewhat being ambitious and enjoying work and working like long hours. But I, I you know, most of the time I like it. So, yeah. That's fun. I mean, <laughs> I, I think we're going to get into Sorry. hobbies um, as a thing yeah. that you do. And if you get that out of, out of your work, well, you're an employee of Scream, <laughs> are you? But if I'm that's the way it is, okay. then that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next question is, what are your stress triggers? So it can be, I mean, guys, you can be as raw as you want to be. You can be sure. private if you want to be. And maybe like just a couple of stress triggers. It could be work. It could be life. Just. I'll Rich. start. Yeah, Josh looks like he's... Oh, thinking. sorry. I was thinking. How many of the stress How many? triggers just, just choose two. Just choose two out of all of them. Jess tells me, don't stress. People say, don't stress. Don't and worry it, about it. It pisses me off because I generally... <laughs> I'm not stressed. I'm not a stressy kind of guy. But people stress me out. People who are stressing when they don't need to stress, that can stress me out. <laughs> or, um, yeah, just... just interrelationship conflicts that can't be easily resolved mm-hmm. that adds a layer of stress that um, you just can't even imagine when it's not there and when it's there it, it, it causes like just irrational like behaviour and thoughts and mm-hmm. you know I think it's part of being human it's part of being some biological animal that just you know isn't 100% control in their own uh, their own emotions but in terms of um, workloads that sort of thing I, I find that I don't mind. Like you just slap another task on the pile, and it will get done, and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's not, it doesn't stress me out. Not everyone's like that. Yeah. Um, and I get that. Mm. And and also, um, I have noticed recently, um, not just at work, also at home, that sort of thing. Some people get stressed out, uh, not naming any names, by things that are not in their control. And I think we've we've all sort of talked about that mm. lately. If I I'm quite fine mm-hmm. saying, can you insert one of those those beeping sounds again? Just go for it. Shit happens. Yeah. Right? And if it's not, if it's actually <laughs> nothing you can do, why is it stressing you out? Because you've still got to get yeah. everything. You've got to do everything that you are going to do before. Sure, like, something's gone, like the wheels have fallen off somewhere, um, but it's not going to change anything. So mm. I, for some reason, I don't get particularly stressed out by that unless there's something that is in my control that for whatever reason I'm not doing or whatever. And then, yeah. you know, it's the um, trying to please everyone effect, I guess. If, if you've got more on than you can actually get done, then you do obviously um you know that builds up a, a negative feedback cycle but there are options you can take there yep. mm. yeah i find it really interesting when we start thinking about internal biases sure. mm. and so when we talk about what stresses us what gives us pleasure or fulfillment like a lot of that's drawn that's a lot of that's derived from our internal bias or our bias as we've grown up you know when your parents used to say hey you got to get out there to do this thing or you'll get a slap around the ears or you've got to go and do this thing because once say the yard is clean look how beautiful it is like there are two very different drivers for you um two very different motivators for you to do something as an example and so i think little things like that anchor themselves within our minds so that when we progress through life Mm. you know we end up deciding to do something and i think tony robbins makes a really good point of this it's either to head towards pleasure or or head away from pain and and i think the same thing applies when we go into our vocations like i fully expect it would like how could it not? How could we be? How could we be different 
from the way we were um, raised from birth through to school life and to our professional lives and family lives mm. and then suddenly change our biases like that it doesn't happen so I think in terms of recognizing um, what stresses us and, and what's like what work what stresses people other than yourself versus yourself um, yeah it's quite interesting to look at that and then try and understand why so for myself I definitely know that when it comes to activities that I'm not comfortable in performing 100% there's there's a small chance it'll take them on board but that there'll always be a measure of discomfort because it's not in my wheelhouse mm. and so one of the biggest things for me is is acknowledging so that's one aspect of stress and so one one of the really important things for me to recognize is that as much as I may have clarity about a particular approach to doing something sure. um, if I'm not an expert in being able to render that or complete it then there might be an element of stress involved with okay. that because you know I prefer not to I prefer to dedicate my time to something that I know that I can complete. Sure. Um, and and yeah, so in terms of, I, I did like your point about control mm. as well. So that's a really that's a really interesting one. Um, you know, I, I'm always fascinated by when we talk about, oh look, you've got to you've got to do this and you've got to be here. And so there's a standard set, and it's almost like a perfect standard that you know that's the epitome of perfection in terms mm. of completing this task or doing this role or serving this part and then I, I, I've reflected on it as well to the point where I'm thinking cool like we can't because that's very black and white yeah but when we think about it like even the colors black and white like black is either total like the absence of all color mm -hmm. and white mm -hmm. is the presence of all color like the presence of it right so it's two very extremes but we as people we're always fluctuating in the middle like we always go you know, gray to a little bit this side, to a little bit that side. We're never going to be an extreme. And I don't think anyone can function as an extreme, which has been consistently reiterated to us through examples of, you know, even Steve Jobs' account on his deathbed when he talked about how he regrets so many things in life, although he was completely successful in, in his work life. Like his home life was abysmal by his own account. And so there are so many examples of that where people, and, and again, I'm not, like like I said at the beginning, like how you kind of deal, like live your life, set your goals, work out what you want to achieve in life. That's that's all on you. But I don't think we should ever be fooled to think that there is like a one hundred percent extreme. And and also we can't always be present across everything. Just like the orchestra example. Mm. So the example that I gave is in terms of why I don't believe in work life balance. And this was recounted to me by uh, a mentor and a, a good, I guess, a good role model for me was that life is an orchestra where all aspects of your life are different segments or sections of the orchestra and at any one time there's there's one part that has um, the main attention and so it's louder than the others but the, all the others are there in different levels to support that main section before it goes into another section and so by doing that you have this beautiful symphony this beautiful um, I guess piece of, of music that you can listen to and and that's why again I don't think that there's anything that's just a static set and forget forever and so when we say work-life balance, the only way I could justify that is by saying the perfect work-life balance is an unbalanced mm -hmm. work and life mm -hmm. balance. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the reason why I wanted to ask this question is because a lot of, it's really common to me that when I talk with friends or families, like, um, 
it's not until I actually ask someone, are you stressed out? Like, sorry, but no, sometimes it's because like some people don't actually realize within themselves whether they're stressed out. Like I said, until they actually start realizing it's affecting their work or their family life. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. It's something that I'll deal with. And I only ask the question is because, um, it can start affecting your health as well. And I know this really well because it's affected my health in the past. Um, and so um, it's kind of like introducing that self-awareness of understanding like when mm. you're actually getting stressed out about things, it's to like pump the brakes, you know, and mm. we'll talk about de-stressing and things like that in the next question. But um, so for me, I, I've because I'm very self-aware <laughs> of like how I react to things, um, that's why I want to ask this question. But I have like a million stress triggers. But... The ultimate one for me is fear. So I think stress really derives from fear and it might be like, you know, a fear of failure, a fear of um, the control mm -hmm. thing, like not meeting someone's expectations, the fear of not getting something done on time, the fear of, and so for me, it's like the fear of um, not being able to like fix other people's problems or the fear of um, thinking that I'm not yeah, meeting someone's standards of what I think that they want me to be. Um, yeah, it's, it's very fear driven and I think, um, yeah, it, it just, it comes out in, in different ways or I'm, or I'm afraid of whatever situation I'm in. So like the previous job I had, you know, it was like whatever, 18 months of like constant bullying. And so I was just afraid to go to work because of like what would happen today. Like it was like yeah. constant, like every half an hour, it was like something was going on and I couldn't actually just do my work. So not only did I have the stress of like trying to do my work but I also had the stress of like having to go to work and being like a uh, like a target I don't want to say like I was walking around being like a victim but that was the reality um and so that really stressed me out um and so I kind of like developed a lot of health problems from that um and so yeah it's just really important to be able to just take the time for yourself and just to be able to learn and understand like when you're actually getting stressed out about things and what has actually caused you to stress because if you actually start getting to the truth of your triggers like for me being able to kind of like find this common thread of like mine is fear um, of a lot of things then I'm able to actually think about it a lot better and maybe mitigate that or just dismiss that and be like oh hang on like that's ridiculous like mm -hmm. and I can fix it sure. in like really quickly by just giving it that moment of thinking about it or I can actually do something to you know kind of fix that issue that's just kind of the way that I sort of think about those triggers anyway yeah mm -hmm. yeah look um, I'd like to chip in because yeah. I believe you and Josh uh, both said something mm -hmm. that I should have known I should have said for myself as well okay. and that is that the fear of the unknown oh, yeah. is yeah. actually, it's a big thing for me. Something is, nothing, generally speaking, nothing is as bad as you think it's going to be. And if you're, if you're out of your depth, I know of, from my own experience, I will uh, I'll stress about something, I'll worry about something, and I'll overcompensate, and I'll just, you know, maybe uh, put too much work into trying to make sure something's perfect and then realise once it was done that it was no big deal or some, that sort of thing, and I'm, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've yeah. done the same sort of thing but um yeah no that is a good one and mm -hmm. i don't know if it's if you know there is a strategy um to like tell yourself that it probably won't be that bad but that, that is a, that is a good one to keep mm. in mind um you know i can give you one example of something that um basically i was was working here i had no idea how i was going to do that but then someone else within the company showed me an example of how they've done a similar thing and suddenly I had a I just had a strategy of where to start 
mm-hmm. and that made the whole process a lot better. But I guess it's very situational. It's mm. difficult to know. It's a good segue into the next question which you asked, which is how do you how do you deal deal with mm. yeah. how do you resolve you know times when you have stress? Mm. And so um, I think like the reason I said I'd prefer to hedge on what I'm really good at mm. is because I've gone enough times when I've tried to do everything and it's fallen flat and I've either lost face with and most of the time it's I've lost face with myself because mm-hmm. I'm just like oh kicking myself for for letting say myself down or maybe um a client or uh, a friend or a family member and so from that perspective it's just like okay cool and it's taken me a long process because um i guess partly because of my own dna like how i was raised you know you got to do everything got to be perfect in doing this if you're not then you're going to be in trouble um and we all have that in varying degrees right as Mm. children growing up um but the, the thing that the things that have always come back to me was so another mentor of mine, David Fry, over in the US, he'd always say like, um, the best way to approach life is to make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. So whatever the main thing is in your life, it's that is the center. And then wherever your problem is, way down here or way to the side, you look at it and you look back at the center and say, you know, is how I'm dealing with this right and wrong or left or right? Um, is that really going to impact this? And then if it does impact that, then you make the right call. So it doesn't impact it. Um, but if it doesn't matter as well, then you just remember, cool, um, you'll get through all of this. But I'm also reminded of Viktor Frankl's book. I think it's Man's Search for Meaning. And so Victor's, Victor's account of his experience in the POW camps when he was being tortured and yep. um, operated, experimented on, mm-hmm. it was a huge one because he would say, and Stephen Covey kind of reiterates this as well, uh, from um, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. But Victor would always talk about the space between. So there's a space between where an action happens and then there's a response. And he'd always talk about how he had no control whatsoever of anything that was going on. He was mm-hmm. tied down to the operation table. The people were doing everything. His parents were getting, his, his whole family, his entire family was getting wiped out, just being um, killed. And, and for him, it was a revelation that I can't control any of that. All I can control right now is my response. Mm -hmm. And that's what he um, chalks up to his survival through that terrible experience. And um, Stephen Covey, again, he talks about how when people... So when we're in relationships or we're in communication, uh, and so say stress comes up, the stress is the reaction to whatever the event is. And the fallacy for ourselves when we let stress manifest is that we think we are out of control of mm. generating the stress as if the stress comes from somebody else external no. it's just the same like me having like a discussion with you mm. and saying you hurt my feelings or you offended me or you're stressing me out yep you're not actually yeah. stressing me out it's completely yes. myself that's doing it mm-hmm. so i think those those moments of distinction have been really key for myself and i understand like everyone's a different personality type so for myself mm-hmm. i have com- complete clarity that maybe in a situation things are going to blow up but also in that moment of clarity i have a choice as to how i react to things blowing up and if i choose to do oh, if if my actions are a b c or d i've chosen a b c or d it hasn't been tom or client a or you know daughter c it, it doesn't matter and so i think there's a lot of power in understanding what control really is it's yeah. it's really about no one else mm. except ourselves how mm-hmm. we think how we process information. Mm. I have to say it's so funny because Sam, our accounts person, like I often talk to her about things that, that stress me out and they are often things that I have no control over. No control. And she's just always like, don't worry about it. And I, <laughs> I actually use that myself now because it's so true. It's such a 
simple thing because I find myself getting kind of lost in like the stress of something and I kind of work myself up and she just kind of comes in and she's like don't worry about it and it's mm. like it's true like I actually can't and it's you've heard her probably say that oh me. yeah it's so funny but it's so true and it also is like kind of like Tony Robbins thing again of like just grabbing someone when they're in that state and completely blindsiding them with something that they don't even expect that it kind of shocks them out of yeah. this state and being like oh hang on yeah mm-hmm. don't worry about it because I actually cannot control it anyway so yeah. um, but you're so right on with like learning to understand about the control that you have over something and mm-hmm. actually and you know because that that is actually a really difficult thing for a lot of people to do it's so easy for people to blame others for the way that they're feeling um, and without really understanding that it's actually up to them with the way that they kind of process things and it's all about perspective as well so it's perceived yeah. as easy right yeah but it's actually harder it's really it's hard. perceived as easy because you can suddenly just do a short mm. short bump of the problem and be yes. like it's all them like i'm still perfect mm-hmm. like it was all them it was it was a classic like i forget who the mobster was but there was a an account of a mobster who was holed up in a in a hotel room i think and was being shot at from every which way and direction it's in dale carnegie's book how to yeah. influence people yeah yeah so yeah make friends that, people. Familiar, yeah. yeah and so yeah. for that one in the court and in court when he was arrested he was he was emphatic that he was just a great person mm. he was such a great individual <laughs> and so there was complete there was a, a level of denial there and yeah. i think we all have that level of denial yeah. but yeah you're going to say something it's fine. no 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 i wasn't really um <laughs> no not really no no i think i said it all when i'm like well i don't get stressed out by events i get stressed out by people but you're mm. saying well you know you are getting stressed out it's not the people necessarily yeah. if they can't deal with stress i still find that stressful but, but i think it's hard yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think in that situation so if i was because i've gone through like roles um where i've I felt anxious mm-hmm. to go to work mm-hmm. and the reason i felt anxious um isn't because the people were stressing me out or because yeah. the work necessarily it was because i wasn't being honest with myself at that time to be able to communicate to my managing director um you know um in terms of my strengths, this is where mm-hmm. I'm at, mm-hmm. and this is where I thought I could do things, but I've just, I'm not able to do this, and yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm heartbroken about it, I'm disappointed, I'm a little bit embarrassed, mm-hmm. um, but I, like that's that's how it goes. Mm. And so there have been times where I've had that anxiety because I haven't been honest, and it's the same in the home life, right? Yeah. Like in your home life, mm. you have an argument with like a spouse, or um, you'll, you'll be challenged with something that's going on with a child, and you'll think like what's going on like and, and you'll get worked up about it and you're trying to figure out the situation but ultimately it just comes back to acknowledging look this is what this is what i'm good at this mm. is maybe where i've gone off track and this is definitely where my goal is this is where i want to head mm. but i just need the assistance the collaboration to be able to get to that spot and that's why that's why i think spouses like they're the number one right mm. they're the number one because they'll see you for all your warts and all your imperfections yeah. and they'll be like despite you being a complete idiot mm-hmm. i'm here for you yeah that, that moment when you're like so and i'm not going to say people do that in pregnancy or anything like that that, <laughs> oh but my God. what i'm going to say is like oh, in yeah. that moment in that moment where um you know you've either been very offensive or yeah. you've done things like and um but for to have that one person who you know who has got your back mm-hmm. i think that's critical in any employment relationship or home relationship and mm. i think that can alleviate 99 percent of the issues mm. yeah. because you can have everything going wrong in your life mm. but you've got that one person that gets you and both of you understand hey cool this situation it's just like this yeah like it's not the next 10 15 20 years mm-hmm. it's maybe you know a week or a couple of days it's gonna yeah. be bad so yeah yeah it's funny because um so 
yeah, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this today is just because it's so interesting. And so, like I was saying, like I've had health problems from stress alone, and it's like I have so many things I could say. But maybe 18 months ago, I had the most excruciating back pain. There was nothing that I could do. I went to see an osteopath to try fix it I was like rolling and just I don't know I went and saw all these people to try and fix my back there's there was absolutely nothing I could do actually made sitting really unbearable it even made sleeping really unbearable because all I could feel was my back just like throbbing in pain and it was just yeah um and that was really before I began to realize that all the kind of things that I was taking on from my previous job that I had all that stress I was actually putting it literally carrying it on my back and um it was around that time that I actually discovered Tony Robbins like someone was like oh you should listen to this Tony Robbins CD and I was like what is that like I'm European we don't do (laughs) self-help we just like hold it all inside and then we explode (laughs) um and lose all of our friends and family um but yeah, so someone introduced me to Tony Robbins. I started, I was like, yeah, what have I got to lose? I'll just invest the time in actually starting to learn a lot more about, you know, my triggers and things like that. And that's not to say that, you know, Tony Robbins is the be and end all. There's a lot of stuff out there. And I don't exactly do everything that he recommends because everyone's very personal and it's kind of like, I feel like it's what it fits for you, what it fits for me. Um, but I, oh, my back pain has gone completely. Like I don't have it anymore. Like, actually, I even had x-rays because even the doctor was like, I don't know what's wrong for you. And so, yeah, I no longer have back pain, <laughs> um, which is amazing. And there's actually a really amazing book about healing back pain. I can't remember the name of it now. But it's all about how stress, how we actually do carry it literally on our backs. So it's really interesting. But a couple of things that I actually got from Tony Robbins that I sort of continue to do today, which is um, gratitude. And it's something that he always talks about in terms of, like, you know, when I'm really stressed out, it is so easy to be, you know, it starts off with like a grain of salt and then it just like, it just sort of sprawls out into, I'm stressed out about this now, I'm stressed out about this. And now I, maybe Rich has said something to me and now I snapped at him and now I'm stressed out about the fact that I'm a horrible person. I just snapped at Rich and he didn't deserve that or something like that. Right. So it kind of like spirals. Um, and because I'm focusing so much on the negative of what I'm stressing out about. So if I can actually start focusing on what is actually good, what I actually, what is actually good in my life, all these like little problems of like, you know, I've got this deadline and there's really no way that I can kind of get out of this deadline. I got to do it. Um, that it doesn't means nothing because then I start to realize that it's actually very insignificant to comparison of what I actually have and what is actually good. Um, because there are a lot of good things, but, but that's really one thing. The other thing is, um, just really taking time for myself. So that doesn't mean watching, um, like wrestling <laughs> or watching Real Housewives. There's nothing wrong with wrestling. But wrestling is a great way to de-stress guys. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not about, it's like for me, I've thought that it is not consuming content. So taking time for myself is not consuming content at all because I'm actually not really focusing on myself and that, and that's really taking the time to think about what I'm actually grateful for, what I actually want in my day, like what I actually want to achieve in my day and how I kind of want to, um, 
yeah, what I want to get out of my day. Cause I sort of feel like if I've got that focus and I usually do this in the morning, if I can kind of focus on what it is that I want, then every other kind of little thing doesn't really mean that much to me. It's like, you know, mm. keeping my eye on the prize kind of thing. And then I'm not really getting overloaded with all these little bits and pieces. Um, so yeah, it's just taking that time for myself and I actually do it in the car because I, you know, I spend so much time in the car and it kind of makes sense while I'm just sitting there. I actually love driving now. I used to hate it before. I used to get really mad at people, but now I'm like, I can't wait to drive because yep. it's my time and I get mm. to chill and I let people in. I'm like the best merger in all of Perth, you guys, or I like let people go, but I love it. It's awesome. But that's just a couple of things that I do. That was like the longest answer in the world. But what about you yep um definitely the podcast in the car trick and it's not yes um, it's stuff i want to listen to it's not it's not work related necessarily it's not our show <laughs> no there's overlap there's overlap but it's not exactly the same and um mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's my time and and i've you know say i need to do some painting for a few hours or something on a weekend and there's no one around and i've got the podcast or if i'm driving down to Mandurah for whatever reason by myself see my mum uh, i've got my podcast i find that i'm so much more relaxed than i would normally be because I feel like you actually, um, if you just have like, if you can picture a work-life balance and then you omit the work and you mm. just focus on the life, you kind of need a life-life balance as well because yeah. your family can be kind of chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about, you know, another segment, which is just, just you time. Mm -hmm. Just you time, right? Just if, like everyone shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just and if that, Well, <laughs> and if that gets neglected, then I think everything yeah. else in that pie graph uh, suffers. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that's an important one. And then, I mean, for me, that's, um, I've got a hobby, um, mm. produce music, been mm -hmm. doing that since before I was full-time employed. Um, you know, as long as I feel like I'm happy with where that's at, I'm in a good mood. And if I feel like I haven't been in my studio for mm. too long, I'm not in a good mood. And, and that's it. That's my, my little litmus test to how well life's going, because it, to me, that's <laughs> something that I care about and if I'm feeling good about it I'm happy and if I'm not feeling mm. good about it I'm not happy and there's nothing that can really fix that um, so you know it, it's just that's that's the balance that's the juggle yeah. for me is um, you know just I guess it's like when the um, when the oxygen masks pop down you got to put them on yourself first and then you got to worry about everyone mm. else so call me selfish and trust me no, I get that no I get that yeah. No, no, I get that. No. That's not selfless. That's that's probably the most selfless thing you can do. Because you got to help That selfishness other is so too. selfless. Because if you're yeah. taking care of you, yeah. you're in a better position to take care of everyone else. And yeah. you don't want someone yeah. stupider than you to look after you. Like if you're passed <laughs> out on the plane, and then there's like some guy for like I'm talking literally, but you know what I mean. Like you are the most capable person in yeah. your life, right? You're number one. So yeah, if you you won't be able to do your job of like taking care of your family mm -hmm. if you're down and out. Well, it's an interesting topic because, I mean, if you ask anyone in my family, then they'll probably say, you know, it comes back to the symphony. It comes back to it, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you've overcompensated by helping out, like giving your significant other time where you're babysitting the two kids mm -hmm. or whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. Then they repay that yeah. and everyone's happy. But you can't, yeah, you can't selfishly expect it and then lump mm -hmm. problems where you are a, um, you know, a constituent onto someone else that is a selfish thing to do so you need to just yeah. make sure that you try to work together and find find all the balances oh, yeah. I think it's a really good exercise to do as well um, where because when we go through our experiences as ourselves mm. we always see the best reasons for us to do what we do yeah 
and very rarely it's ever the case from another person's perspective so when you've got a meaningful other from, from their perspective they're going to look at what you do as slightly different because it's from their perspective mm -hmm. it's from them thinking hey great um, I have say a working spouse or a spouse that's home that's at home so if we're in the situation of ourselves uh, uh, you know employed and going home then we might be going home with the mindset of I'm so shattered from work I had three clients that were unsatisfied mm -hmm. I had one deal that fell over I had meeting with the boss that maybe didn't go well because I couldn't get something installed or a new initiative off the ground so we're going uh, we're going home with so much baggage yeah. and we walk in with the baggage thinking that our spouse is a psychic they're gonna mm. immediately know wow you didn't get that thing that you wanted <laughs> did you and you had that bad experience with the client on the phone mm. and then those two other clients didn't go through with the project oh, come over here don't don't even do actually just stop where you I'm gonna bring the seat to the front door. Yep. You just sit right there, I'm gonna bring your food your there. Slippers. Yep, slippers, the the whole the shenanigan. Yep, chuck the TV in the hallway. It's gonna be perfect. <laughs> and it, in reality it's not. Maybe I shouldn't be mad at Roger <laughs> like I am sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I do expect him to yeah. have ESP. And so it's so hard for us because we can come up with that list of mm. this is what I'm going through and this is yeah. all this person like maybe we think, oh this person who's in this in this situation. A fictitious example this person is at home so they don't have to go to work or they don't have to drive mm -hmm. three hours or two hours a day or they don't have to do this thing or thing but we fail to look at it from their perspective their yeah. perspective is I've been inundated with the screams the yelling the fighting of say kids yeah or I've been trying to hold down the home um, doing other things that I'm not really good at I don't mm. enjoy like maybe shopping housekeeping whatever it is um, that I'd love to just have like either my wife or husband home to help out and mm. so they've already got their list of stuff mm -hmm. as well so it's just this this lack of communication this lack of yeah. understanding so one of the other uh, really good pieces of advice that I was given is that when you finish work before you walk in the, in the door you just like depressurize yeah right? you do that in the car yep. and you come at it from when I walk in the door for the next five to six hours mm -hmm. that I may be up and I may be talking to my spouse or significant other, whoever it is, or my children, that they're going to have the most wonderful experience mm -hmm. from me. And then when I go to bed, when I'm asleep, that's when I can complain mm -hmm. about everything that's gone wrong or I can deal with it then. But ultimately, like none of the people that we live with are there as punching bags for us. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. there as support people. Mm -hmm. And we have to look at it as us being support people for them. Yep. Mm -hmm. so. yep. I tend to do the whole I decompress before I walk in the door, but actually this is 99% of the reason why we sold our house because it's actually in an apartment and we were living in apartments in Europe, which is what everybody does, but it makes sense to live in an apartment in Europe. You're traveling. Yep. So it's totally different. You're traveling. Like we were not working at all. Now we're working. So it's a little bit different and being in an apartment, which mind you is still a little bit bigger, but I tend to I walk in the house, like I decompress, walk in the house, but if I've had a particularly hard day, I just need a room in which my husband also isn't in, <laughs> which is really hard in an apartment because I do understand that, you know, if I've had a really hard day, he, like, for example, yesterday he drove to Dunsborough to do a job. So he spent most of the day in the car. Um, and so I have to pretend, but not pretend, but understand that, okay, now it's like his time. So um, I often find myself in the bathroom a lot with the mm. door locked because he just thinks I'm in the toilet for a really long time and maybe I've had a weird lunch but it's that time where I've just to be like okay so I can be you know that mm. earpiece or that person that can you know I just put all my stuff aside and so that's a huge reason why we want a house now so we can actually have space because mm. two bathrooms two bathrooms but 
part of the reason why sometimes I get stressed out and at home is mm. because I don't have that me time. Yep. So I can't actually decompress on my own without having to like be on when my husband walks by. I'm like, everything's cool. I'm having the best time. And then I'm like silently crying in the corner about something. Yeah, and I okay. don't want, like, I don't always need my husband to be like, how are you? Let's talk about this problem. Like, I don't even want to burn him with that if mm. I know that I don't need to. So that's why I want the other bathroom so I can cry in yeah. <laughs> and hide all my problems and push them all the way down until I'm walking on them. Yep. No, nah, I'm just kidding. That's not. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to that ne- next chapter because, and this is the thing for me, because like moving house is super stressful. And I've talked to you about oh, like selling the house. It's like stressful, but I'm trying to focus on the fact like we're going to have a new house. It's going to be a new beginning. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have this whole project. We're going to renovate it completely. That's going to be really fun. And like trying to look at mm-hmm. the positive aspects of things. Mm. But yeah. So anyway, does anybody, anybody want to add, add things? No, I'm good. I've talked too much already. We've talked too much. So, do you guys want to wrap this up, or do you want to talk about the other stuff? Oh, we've got your we've got your segment that's left there. The T. The last one. Don't. Or the other one. Don't be a D. That Josh called it that, but we have no T. I didn't. Yeah, that's fine. We'll move on. Which is really sad. Oh, Oh, I've got T. Well, you've got T, but the other T is that. What's the tea? John the Cena tea. challenged The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania, which everybody knew was going to happen. Did you yeah. know it was going to happen? Everyone knew it was going to happen. But exciting. That's awesome. So The Undertaker must That's be 90 years old. And yeah, no one's telling him he like can't be a wrestler. 55. You can good. do anything. I saw a video of him the other day deadlifting. He's ready for Cena. It's going to be amazing. Well, Cena's going to win. Cena. What no, did Michael Undertaker's Cena ever do to him? Who's Michael Cena? Oh, it's a different guy. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Michael Cena? I've never heard of Michael that's, Cena. Anyway, that's not the tape. Is but, that a um, different wrestler? No, he's not a wrestler. What is it? <laughs> Tell us. Oh, he's one of those really annoying actors who's really annoying. Oh. Michael Cena. Oh. John Cena's kind of annoying in mm. like a John Cena way. He's good at comedy, though. He is fantastic Michael at Cena's comedy. Michael Cena's not good at comedy. Isn't he? But actually, maybe he needs a match with Undertaker. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Do you? Emails going out. I have this thing where I sit up like the Undertaker. Like, have you ever seen the Undertaker sit up? No, don't do that. I've never seen him sit. Usually the chair's being like. I don't know, but he just like like, straight up and then he just just sits up like that. I do that at the gym without realizing. It's. (laughs) I was brought up by the Undertaker, so that's why I'm really excited that they're. You wonder why your abs are injured. No, I did that deadlifting because no. I was trying to be like Taker. Anyway. <laughs> Don't be a dick. So someone put in a news item about before and that's why I wanted to link it up because oh, yeah. we'll kind of we'll kind of compress the segment a little bit but it was YouTube in regards to the Alex Jones channel. Yeah, cool. Something. And then yep. I want to seg- like lead into my all right. Don't be a D Twitter thing gone. Cool. So the the update was that YouTube was caught again with an issue of not being able to moderate content effectively for advertisers. Mm-mm. So the Alex Jones channel, it's a bit of an extremist, um, inflammatory right wing type channel of content. Okay. And so they posted a little spin-off piece from for the recent Florida shootings, mm-hmm. saying that students there um, that he, he was pointing out students as being 
um, paid actors mm-hmm. to to report and yeah talk about what had been happening. So that was a major issue. Um, the video was taken down for uh, on on the basis of violating terms in terms of bullying, yep. and then they've gone through a series of warnings. But the interesting thing was that he had monetized not only the, that video but a number of other videos. And it wasn't just small advertisers that were showing up, it was big ones. And the list includes Nike, Acer, um, yeah, Alibaba, yep, the Mormon Church, 20th Century Fox, um, Alibaba, I already mentioned, and the NRA. So That's obviously, right. yeah, yeah. One of the, you don't want that to happen. And so yeah. a lot of the advertisers pulled their advertising, but one mm. of the things they were saying was that they were confused because um, some had opted onto the sensitive subject exclusion filter mm. that was set up specifically for this reason, so that you don't have... Um, questionable content showing up off the back of your advertising because as you know an affinity brand you don't yeah. want to yes, po- pose these yeah have your pre-roll and then it moves to this topic about mm. either kids being um, you know kids dying or anything violent happening or uh, issues yeah. to do with that so yeah I found it very interesting which shows that yeah. YouTube and its and its desire to I guess create this this perfectly moderated environment mm-hmm. they're they're miles away from being able to have things locked down properly. And it kind of leads to Twitter as well. I don't know if it's particularly the Alex Jones, but this is leading on to what I want to talk about with Twitter is that I believe someone of the Democratic, someone working for a Dem in the United States posted that David Hogg, who's 17 years old and survived the shooting, was a paid crisis actor because he was, he went to a high school in California and then six months later, or something like that, he was transferred and... um, I think he was visiting friends over in the Yeah, and that he was on the news talking about something that happened in California and now he's on, he was taking this stand against the NRA. He was the one that famously said, you know, um we are the kids yeah. like adults do something about yeah. this like we shouldn't have to be doing this we're children um so he's 17 years old and apparently his family has actually gone to the fbi because he's gotten a lot of death threats and it's probably because of the nra but this one tweet that someone sent out saying he's a paid crisis actor um twitter sort of really didn't i felt in my opinion didn't really do much to mitigate this issue this particular person was fired from his job. Oh, yeah, he was the aide, wasn't he? I yeah, remember he was that the aide uh, for this um, politician. Mm. Um, and so, but this particular, this, um, you know, being a paid crisis actor is really working to detract what these kids are doing. Yeah. Um, and so, and the fact that, you know, it's gotten so bad for his family that he's, they've had to go to the FBI about death threats. And so it kind of, um, um, it always goes back to, you know, Yes, of course, free speech is, in, is important, but when you're defamatory and you're actually, you don't even take into account the consequences that it could have for someone else, yeah. let alone a 17-year-old kid um, who is trying to actively make a change, um, you know, it's just like something actually really has to be done. Mm. Um but that kind of like closes off our like don't be a D segment. But I wanted to lead it into like finishing off our podcast on a good note, which is the fact is that these kids like, because, you know, I was talking about the other day that I'm like actively engaged on Twitter and gun control is something that isn't really an issue here. Thankfully, we don't really have that problem. But to be able to see that these kids and some of them are 18, so they're actually really they're young adults are taking into their own hands. They are saying, look, we're no longer going to rely on adults to get things done. Um, we're going to take things into our own hands. And they truly understand the power of Twitter and the internet using knowledge to be able to understand that when they are 
older, when they are old enough to vote, that they will be able to vote out these people who are accepting payments from the NRA or are supporting the NRA or are not understanding that having an assault rifle is probably not something that you need to kill animals with, which is why apparently, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting because... Um, Bowling for Columbine was on yeah. SBS the other night. The night yeah. yeah, and I just happened to catch it and it's so scary, like it just kind of keeps continuing. And the fact that these kids from um, Parkland who are really taking this on, I just think it's so incredibly inspirational and they are paying tribute to their classmates who um, were murdered. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that they were murdered. And um, I just think it's amazing that they are actually doing something about that. I just think it's so incredibly inspirational and um, yeah, that's my, I know it's it's kind of like a something from something really terrible. I really hope that they, you know, I just think it's really inspirational so I wanted to kind of say Yeah, I think that. it's good. Yeah. So the message today, the good do stuff. good stuff. Yeah, just go out there and like, as long as you keep your side of the street clean. No. That was my Twitter bio for like a week and then I changed it to don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I like that one. Keep your side of the street clean. Well, that's, that's a good analogy is. for not getting stressed. Don't, yeah, make sure you keep your side of the street clean, and it's okay to say no to people sometimes. Yeah, don't oh, be yeah. the old lady that gets angry when there's a mess on the other side of the road. It's like, don't be about that clean. life. Let's just take care of your own house. Do you guys have anything? Do you guys have any warm and fuzzies to add before we roll up today? I'm very warm, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm tripping. Yeah. I'm sweating uh, and I'm hoping that Rich can't smell me. <laughs> no, we're all good. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Thank you so much for listening to us today. And um, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so uh, on Twitter at BAM Creative or you can email us podcast at bam.com.au. Thanks. Thanks. See ya. I Ciao. appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. That's all. Bye. <laughs> For more on today's podcast, go to bam.com.au forward slash podcast.